MLS preseason tournaments are in full swing. Welcome into the SBI show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Ivis, I have a two-parter question for you. How are you doing? And did you do anything for your wife for Valentine's Day? I'm doing pretty well. And uh, for Valentine's Day, we, we kept it pretty low-key. We had lunch. Uh, you know, I went to uh, we picked her up at her job. We had lunch. And, uh, you know, tonight we, we had a nice little uh, evening with uh, we made sure that both both my boys had, had Valentine's cards for her. And then she got the, uh, you know, the trademark Valentine's card slash box of chocolate. So we kept it pretty simple. Uh, it's, you know, after a few years, it gets tough to, to come up with anything too crazy. No, it's a hey, the, the fact that you remembered. I'm sure she was very happy with that. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I may or may not have been at uh, CVS tonight buying the card and the chocolates, but it's the thought <laughs> that counts. I hope she doesn't listen to this, or I hope... I don't send it to her by accident. She, pre- you know what? She know we've been together a long time. She pretty much knows. She knows that it was bought. She knows I went today, and I can tell you one thing, people: don't wait till Valentine's Day to buy your Valentine's cards and chocolate because they will gouge you. Because I definitely paid twice as much as I've ever paid for Valentine's <laughs> cards. That is too funny, man. <laughs> That's how they get you. So buy them early. Well, I was, uh, you know. I know you're not going to ask me, but I didn't do anything for Valentine's Day except for you know just uh, just work today. That was it. That's the life of a playboy, man. So oh, you know, life the of benefits of being a playboy, you don't have to worry about. Exactly, life of a single man. I don't have to do anything. It's uh, it's it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Um, today for the show, what we're gonna do though is uh, we're gonna talk. Ivis and I are gonna talk a little U.S. men's national team. And as you can see in the description for the show, uh, Ivis had a chance to sit down and talk to Breck Shea, uh, and then we're gonna come out of that and talk a little MLS. And uh, Ivis, I know you're really excited about that Breck Shea interview because when you look at the whole U.S. men's national team. Um, that the previous game is now in the books. That's in the past, but now we need to look forward. And there's a couple guys who are making some big news that we could be talking about. They could be on the roster come at the end of the at the end of March. Right. This was definitely an interesting week uh, in that regard, where U.S. is coming off a, a tough loss to Honduras. There were a lot of question marks about the midfield, and in one week, in a, in a span of uh, you know about five days, you had Marcus Beasley score two goals, put himself back on the map. You had Breck Shea make his debut. Uh, although not in league play, but at least in a in a closed door scrimmage, and he scores a goal for Stoke City, and then you had uh, Stuart Holden, who who now uh, you know the reports out of Bolton are, are that he should be in uniform with the first team this weekend and could be making his first first team appearance for Bolton uh, in 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 more than a year. So you know that's all. Those are all very positive steps and signs for, for Jurgen Klinsmann and the national team, especially because, you know, that the midfield is, is in such a state of flux right now that, that, you know, you need all the options you can find. And, and if those guys can, can get, if Shea and Holden, especially if they can get healthy and, and get some playing time here in the next month or so, then they're they're They could right be right there in the conversation for the qualifiers in March. Re- Holden. Really? You really think that he could be ready in five weeks to, to possibly get a call up? I'm not saying he will be ready, but, if he starts playing this weekend, and if he gets some between now and, and and when they would have the team together, we're talking about five weeks. If he played four four or five games between now and then, and looked really sharp, I think I think Jurgen Klinsmann would have to consider it. And uh, in the case of Holden, especially in, from what you know, I understand and having talked to Jurgen, he he's definitely kept in touch with Holden he, uh, through this whole ordeal, this injury ordeal. So so it's clear that that Jurgen rates him highly. And Jurgen sees him as as a piece for the future when he's healthy. And if he is healthy now, which it seems to be the case with the reports coming out of Bolton, 
I, I totally don't think it would be a, a crazy idea or out of the realm of possibility. But again, it comes down to he needs to play needs to play a good stretch of games, show that he can stay healthy, and show that he can play at the high level that we saw when he was uh, in the Premier League with Bolton. And if he can get back to that form, he absolutely has to be considered for the national team. Well, let's look at another player who uh, had a great weekend, uh, scored a brace uh, for Pueblo. That's Demarcus Beasley. Do do we are, do you think that we're going to overanalyze these two goals and really all of a sudden say, oh, he's back with the team? Because he's, he's been kind of out of the picture for such a long time and kind of had a up and down career at Puebla, I mean, safe to say, but I have a feeling that we're going to kind of overrate these goals that he scored. It's all about timing. You know, I think if the U.S. had won last week, if, if they'd beaten Honduras, I don't think people would have been quite as uh, quite as desperate to, to talk about Beasley as they are right now. You know, I think it's just a case of, the, you know, the, the post Honduras loss hangover. A lot of a lot of American fans went into the weekend upset, wondering what's going to happen, who's going to play, who are they going to, who's Jurgen going to turn to because these guys just didn't get it done. And all of a sudden, there you go. You see Marcus Beasley down in Mexico scoring two pretty nice goals, right-footed at that. And, and, you, can, and you, you just couldn't help but expect to see that kind of reaction from, from hopeful American fans who, who kind of are nostalgic for the days of uh, run DMB when, when Beasley was one of the fastest Americans around and, and such a threat on the left wing. So, you know, it's only one game. It's only two goals. It's only one half uh, a substitute's appearance at, at that. But at least it shows he's still playing. He, he can still get make an impact. And if it's going to take more than that, though, you know, obviously if he can put together a good stretch here of, you know, three or four games, uh, four or five games in the next month, then he's right there. He's right in the conversation. You know, he he played, he played in the friendly a, a, against Mexico in Azteca just just last uh, summer. So mm-hmm. he's not that far off the radar. So it's still going to take some time, but you could totally get why people went went crazy over those two goals. Exactly, but like you said, I mean, it's one game. You you can't look into it too much. If we if we always look into one game, well, then there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be you know, in terms of discussion for that. Uh, but one player who, who we're going to do that right now had one good game already. That's Breck Shea scoring a goal in the reserve, in the reserve league game for Stoke City. Ivis, that's pretty impressive for a guy who, who it seemed like it was going to be a while before he'd even see the field, and all of a sudden, boom, he sees the field and scores a goal. I mean, that is clearly going to make U.S. men's national team fans happy. Right, without question. And it's got to make Klinsman happy because we, we already know that when Shea's healthy, he's someone that Klinsman definitely likes a lot and rates and wants to put on the field. And and uh, the interesting part is when when, when Shea signed and when he first kind of the, the, in the days after the deal was completed, the word out of Stoke was that you know he he probably need weeks, uh, several weeks, maybe a month to get fit and, and to really be a first team player. And he's still not there yet. You know he he's still he you know talking to him now. He he says he's at about 80 percent. So he's still not there, but the fact that he was able to go into a closed-door scrimmage at the Britannia Stadium against Burnley and score a, he- a, go- a header goal and, and apparently be very active in that game, I mean, that's a promising sign. I mean, we're talking about a player who's been out for several months after foot surgery, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's a positive first step. And, and obviously he still has a ways to go, but, you know, it's definitely something to, to make U.S. fans excited. Exactly, and especially when you look at it, if Landon Donovan's not going to be back, Okay, well, and then that you got to go down the list. I mean, another guy we just talked about was Demarcus Beasley. Okay, let's say he's not going to be running to the roster. Breck Shea's going to be named to the roster. But my thing with with this though, Ivis, is let okay, let, let's. I mean, Stoke City's doing doing pretty well, pretty well in the Premier League right now. 
what is their urgency to bring him along and even have him play if they're doing well? I mean, does that is that going to ruin his chances if he doesn't play? That Klinsman might say, "Well, he's not playing." That's kind of his rule type of thing. Well, I think I, I, honestly, I think we've seen that that the whole idea that that Jurgen Klinsman doesn't play players who aren't playing. I, I mean, he's broken that rule before. Uh, there is no rule, you know. I, I think he he has shown that if he likes the player, that guy will get will get playing time. Danny Williams had, I think, 14 minutes uh, in the four games before the Honduras qualifier, and he was in the starting lineup. So, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, he likes Brexit. Brexit shows can show that he is fit. Uh, you know, if he can get some substitutes appearances and, and make an impact and show some quality, I, I think he's going to get a call-up. I think, you know, at the very least, you know, Klinsman is going to want to take a look at him up close and, and see where he is. Um, and, and as far as Stoke City and how they're doing – I don't know if that's going to preclude, you know, preclude Shea from getting on the field. I don't know if it's going to keep him off the field. I think once they get him in in training, and once he has a chance to be at a hundred percent, fully healthy, show what he can do. If he's good enough, Tony Pulis is going to put him in. I mean, I think if anyone who has followed Stoke City knows, Tony Pulis is not afraid to shake his lineup up. He does it all the time. It's it's like musical chairs over there. I mean, as we've seen with Jeff Cameron, who's you know he's played in midfield, he's played left back, he's played right back, he's played. Uh, you know, center, I don't. I don't. I'm not even. The funny thing is, I don't even think he's played center back quite yet. But he's been all over. So P- Tony Pulis isn't afraid to experiment with guys. And if Shea shows he can do it in training, if he shows qualities that that Pulis thinks can make the Stoke attack better, the Stoke team better, then he's going to put him on the field. Amazing what two months can do for a player. Where it's just it. It, it seems everything seems to be working out from very well, Ivis. And you had a chance to catch up with him. Um, I'm not in on this interview because my recording for some reason would not work earlier today. But Ivis, you had a chance to catch up with Shea. That's right, Garrett. Uh, you know, we we we've tried pretty much since uh, right after his uh, his signing and right after his his uh, curbside interviews on Sky Sports that we all saw on, on signing day. We've been trying to get Breck uh, uh, for an interview, and, and and he was he was gracious enough to finally, you know, speak to us. And and it's interesting to just see his transition to England. He's I mean he's still he's only been there a short time still, but you can see our you, you can definitely tell that he he's happy to be there, excited to be there, and and he's he's ready to go and he's refreshed. That's what people uh, need to also consider is the fact that you know we we're talking we're talking about a young player who played the most soccer of his life in around 2011 and 2012 and there's definitely a case for burnout there obviously from a physical standpoint he broke down uh so this this these months that he's had of not playing recovering from surgery are actually probably a very good thing for him because it's allowed him to recharge his batteries and 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 get refreshed and get get ready to go uh for the next challenge which is the english english premier league and and you know i had a chance to talk to him today about that and we we touched on a a couple of different topics and uh here's the interview we're lucky enough to have on the show today on the SBI podcast none other than American forward Breck Shea, who's calling us, uh, talking to us from England, from uh, Stoke. Hey, uh, Breck, how you doing today? I'm good. How you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, obviously, everyone over here is uh, excited for your move over there, and 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 already you know waiting on reports to see how how, how the progress is going. And it sounds like you're already uh, off to a pretty good start there, uh, scoring a goal on Monday. Can, can you talk about that game, what what, what that experience was like for you? Uh, no, it was good. Uh, obviously, I'm coming off surgery, so I'm trying to get fit again. And that was my first game in probably over three and a half months. So it uh, felt good to play. Um, obviously, felt good to score and, and be uh, with my new team. 
Were you surprised that they they threw you in that that quickly? Because I know they uh, some of the stuff I'd heard that they said was maybe it might take you several more weeks to kind of get fit. Were, were you surprised they threw you in, or were you just re- did you feel like you were ready? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I've, they've been working me pretty hard um, at the training ground, so I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. Obviously, not 100 fit, um, but uh, my injury feels fine and feels better than ever, actually. And so uh, I just gotta get uh, game fit, and hopefully, I'll be ready for our next game. Now, now, I know a lot of people are going to want to know about uh, what what the actual signing day was like for you. Obviously, we we got to see you over here on the TV, uh, you know, getting the car interview and all that. And you seem you seem pretty ex- excited about the, that whole experience. What, what was that like for you? And did you know that 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 kind of stuff happens on on signing day? Uh, no. I mean, it was cool um, to see that and be a part of it, and uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, obviously. Everything was uh, good. The MLS had agreed, and so could agree. And we we're just waiting on my work permit hearing. Um, and it was at a certain time, and we hadn't we didn't hear back for about four or five hours. So that was kind of obviously stressful waiting, just wondering whether it was going to go through or not. And obviously it did. And uh, it was just a relief, you know. Um, and all the coverage they had on Sky here was pretty cool. Kept seeing all the all the action going on, and, and being a part of that was. Uh, pretty awesome. So, so you actually were watching it on TV while you were waiting for the news? Yeah, uh, so they kept showing there was a guy outside the training ground and I kept, I was watching on TV and they kept talking about what was going on. It's pretty crazy how they kept on almost more stuff than I knew. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, so you knew about these car interviews that they do with players, so you kind of, you had an idea that, that, that that's what happens. So so when you were on the other end of that, I mean, were, were you ready for that, or, I mean, were you pretty pumped to be on that on the other side of that? Um, after that time, everything went through. Um, obviously, I was leaving the training down um, the last day of the window, and it was pretty late, and there were still probably over 100 fans outside the training ground, which was uh, pretty amazing to see, you know, and then obviously the, the interview, and yeah, I'd seen it before, um, but obviously I'd seen it all day that day from all around England, all the clubs that they were doing, and coaches and players and, and stuff like that, so uh, I'd seen it before, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we got a good, pretty good picture of it. Uh, I put up on Twitter. You had the you had the ear to ear smile. Uh, obviously, it was a big day for you. Uh, can you just talk about the month uh, the month that you had waiting for that and, and hope? And, and obviously, it wasn't an easy process. You know, there were negotiations, and you know, at times, it, you know, at least publicly, it seemed like maybe it wouldn't happen. I mean, how how, how nerve wracking a, a month was it for you, or, or a couple of weeks, or, or were you pretty confident that a deal was going to get done? Uh, obviously, I mean, it was uh, pretty crazy. I mean, people kept having their own two cents and saying what they, obviously, the media, you know, kind of changes things and people say what they heard or think and, and put their own thought into it. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, was, I knew they were interested and uh, I just didn't know whether it was going through. But obviously, Dallas and MLS were great about it and the business, and I know that, and they came to agreement and when they did, I was happy. But the, the weeks leading up, obviously, were stressful. Whether if I was going or staying, you know, just at the end, I wanted to just be done with it. So either way, so I'm obviously happy this turned out. Um, but like I said, the, everything stoked to Dallas, to MLS were great about it, and I think uh, everyone got what they wanted, and and kind of happy with what happened. Now, obviously, you've been linked to to Europe for a while now, and it always seemed like it'd be kind of a like it was inevitable that you were going to make that move at some point. Um, that being said, you know you you were you're coming off surgery, 
you, you hadn't played, did, did you still have a sense coming into this winter that, that you'd make a move, or, or did it all come together pretty quickly and didn't surprise you at all? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think, like you said, there's been rumors for almost every window for a long time, it feels like, so I don't really think much into it because nothing's ever happened, and, and so I just kind of let it go, and I, I told my agent that it's, <laughs> tell me if I need to go somewhere or sign something, but other than that, don't let me know because I don't really, <laughs> it's kind of getting annoying. Right, right. So once, once they, they, they kind of told me it was pretty serious, then, you know, obviously... That's when I started thinking about it more, you know, and it obviously worked out. Now, now you've uh, you've been at action until lately. You had, you had the uh, the foot surgery that kind of put you on the shelf. Uh, what what's that been like? Just kind of not being able to play. And if anything, I mean, was it was it refreshing? And it, did it help you in a way? Just kind of getting a rest because I know you obviously were on a grind for a couple of years where you were playing a ton. Uh, did it almost help? Did, how, how much? What was that experience like? Not being able to play and did it help you? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, it probably helped me being having a, that at a that surgery, you know, fixing things, giving my body a rest. Uh, obviously, rejuvenating, you know. Um, but I spent a lot of time uh, having an off season and, and getting ready for uh, preseason, pretty much, and which happened to be uh, uh, this window. So you know, I, instead of going to preseason in Dallas, I, I ended up coming here, and obviously, I. Uh, Ready and hopefully just get a good game shape. I can play in a game. What would you do for those months when you couldn't run or anything? I mean, did you work on your painting? What 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 would you do to kind of pass the time all that time? Oh yeah, I did tons of painting. Uh, I mean, I had my uh, my art website came out. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard about leftfootstudio.com, so that came out um, during that time. We did a couple art things, uh, art shows, and stuff we were part of, and so that was fun. I did a lot of painting. Um, other than that, a lot of gaming, so a lot of Xbox, my Xbox I use a lot, um, and then rehabbing, just taking care of the foot, getting ready, which, um, come back as fast as possible. Which games did you, what, what are your specialties, which games? Uh, my specialty is probably Black Ops, but I enjoy playing FIFA, wouldn't say I'm the best, but I enjoy playing it. Oh, you, you actually admit that you're not the best because it seems like everyone who plays FIFA claims to be the best. You know, when you talk about you know guys like Juan Agudelo and Marisa do. Everyone says they're the best. At yeah, it. yeah. Who? No, I know. I've actually experienced playing one. He's he's, he's not that bad, actually. <laughs> who's the, who's the best that you've played against as far as the uh, players? Probably Juan Agudelo. Yeah. Nice. He's decent. Nice. So, so uh, what's it been like now here, uh, now that you've been kind of in England, and how much has it helped having having Jeff there, uh, Jeff Cameron, you know, a fellow American there to kind of show you around and, and, and kind of help you get settled? Uh, no, it's been good. Um, obviously, I was, I'm in a hotel still. We never go to his house and, and see what it's like and the areas where to eat and, and pretty much everything. Um, it's good. Uh, obviously, that always helps when you know somebody and you go to a new place, especially in a new country. So it's uh, been good having him here. One of the questions I know a lot of American fans are going to ask is: is uh, when you when you're going to be back the national team? And, and obviously, I know that's not in your hands. But I mean, how much have you, are you thinking about that? And, and did you get did, did you have a chance to watch the Honduras game? I, I was actually in the airport flying back here, but I, I saw the second half. Um, so I got to see that. I didn't see the first half. Um, but uh, 
no, it's like you said, it's not, it's not in my hands. I mean, maybe it is in my hands. I got to get fit and hopefully playing well. And then if uh, there's no choice but to call me in, but um, I'm just focused on here getting fit and hopefully playing and hopefully playing well. And then if I get called in, then um, I'll be excited. It's been a while. Um, been struggling with injuries for a while too, so it feels good to be healthy and, and playing again. What's uh, Stoke City been like? What's Tony Poulos and, and the setup? How's it been there for you? I know you've only been there a few weeks now, but or even maybe just one week. But what's it been like so far? Uh, it's been good. Um, the guys are cool, um, welcoming. Um, it's a great facility, training facility, nice stadium. Um, everything's been good. Obviously, a lot of people know about Tony. He's he's uh, very strict in his ways, but um, it's been good to me so far. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Now, now, I think since since you were younger, since you probably since you were a kid, young kid, you've probably always been the biggest guy on your team. What's it like to be on a team like Stoke that had that? It's like you know, it's like an NBA team almost. I mean, do you almost feel small being in that group. No, nah, yeah, it's, it's normal. I mean, you guys my size here, so even in the youth team, there's a, I mean, it's a lot of big guys, and uh, I think that just goes with the way uh, Tony likes to play. So, I mean. It's, yeah, it's normal to see big guys. Nice. Do you feel you fit, you fit in there pretty well as far as what they that they want to do and how they like to play? Because I know obviously that was one of the kind of concerns I, I seem to see a lot among fans is that you know are, you know are they too defensive minded? Are you going to fit in? Are you going to excel there? Are you, you, it sounds like you're pretty confident that that you'll be a good fit there. No, yeah. I mean, you obviously can't change what people play. So I mean, I'm going to have to see how it works out. But yeah, they they very defensive line but then they love attacking so um you gotta just play and then do what the, the coach asks right you've had a long rest now um is this as healthy as you felt in a while i mean like you mentioned you know you've had your share of injuries you had the foot foot issue that you dealt with for quite some time and and, and obviously we remember the year before when you kind of had that you played so many matches it kind of wore you out a bit i mean do you feel do you feel as good as you felt in a while uh, yeah, I would say I do. I feel refreshed, obviously. Um, I don't feel normal yet in the fact that I haven't been, I haven't played in a while, so I think that's just going to take some time. Um, but in the game I played Monday, I just, uh, as the game went on, I got, I felt better and better and more normal. Um, so hopefully, the more I play, the, <laughs> I get back to where I used to play and be and feel. Nice. One last one for you. Have you even tried to drive over there yet? And are you planning to try to drive on the other side of the road there? Yeah, uh, I drove the other day. Um, obviously, it's weird. Um, but you got used to it, I guess. Can't not have a car. Where, 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 was it you and Jeff, or was it someone else kind of taking you to an empty place to, to drive? No, nah, I just got in the car and drove on the road from one place to another. Really? Just jumped right in? Yeah, I mean, so I regularly until my brother taught me how to drive when I was 17, so he just made me drive from Dallas to Austin, and I'd never driven before. And so, <laughs> nice. You're used to getting thrown yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it, it from what I, I I did I drove on that other side uh, in South Africa, and 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 it is it is easier than you might think to do to make that transition. But when you actually have to go back, that's when it kind of throws you off a bit. So, so yeah, I'm sure that's you've what heard I've heard. That. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Breck, and uh, good luck with everything out there, and, and look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we see you in, uh, in U.S. National Team Camp next month, and uh, good luck with the move. I uh, appreciate everything. Thank you. I have a solid interview with Breck right there. I mean, you have to be one. Yeah, I mean, every fan has to be happy for the fact that he's, you know, been able to overcome his injuries. But, you know, to see playing time and, and for him just to be so happy and everything going well, I mean, you have to be pulling for this guy in the long run. Right. He, he He's he's definitely had a roller coaster ride of the past two years, if you think about it. You know, in 2011, uh, midway through 2011, you could argue he was one of the best players in the league, you know, MVP caliber, MVP level uh, of play. You know, he, he actually was in the running for MVP. Uh, but then, you know, he faded. He played too many games between the national team and FC Dallas. Then he hit a wall. And then 2012, right back into the same kind of thing where he's, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Uh, he seemed to kind of burn out in the summer. And then he had the injury, which which was clearly a wear and tear injury from my understanding. I know mm-hmm. people called it turf toe. Even Shellis Heinemann called it turf toe, but it was not turf toe from my understanding. It, he actually had to have a sur- surgery to remove, a, I believe it was some, either a bone or a growth or something in his foot that was definitely causing pain. Uh, so then, you know, he played with that. He played with pain. He played, he played, basically played with an injury. Uh, and then, you know, he obviously didn't play well. And, and he was roundly criticized for that. Uh, FC Dallas's struggles were pinned on him quite a bit. And, and it, it was definitely not an easy going to easy, easy time for him. You know, he, he, he at one point he had, he had a falling out with Shell Simon who, who not only benched him, but pretty much, you know, put him on timeout and didn't even let him dress for games. And, and, and so he, he came through all that. He had the surgery, and and you figure it's almost like he it's almost like he hit rock bottom, and, and, and you and you and you wondered where he would go from there with with things fall apart. But wouldn't you know, uh, everything is completely turned around. Stoke City uh, expressed interest; they make the move for him, and now everything's great. Now he's fresh. He's back from the injury. He's from the surgery. He's had a chance to rest, and 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 here here he is. He's in the English Premier League, and he could be on the national team uh, come March. And, Ivis, I think the other thing that you failed to miss out on, uh, in, uh, not that I want to call you out or anything like that, but I think what also hurt Shea was the fact that, we've talked about this before, U.S. men's national team fans in, in the media and just kind of the people who pay attention, I mean, we're so quick to anoint the next young guy as he's the one. He's going to be the one that's going to take us to the promised land. I mean, and Breck Shea did that for the first couple games, and all of a sudden then everyone's like, ah, oh, well, he sucks. He's not that good. And I think on the national level, that also might have hurt him too with the amount of playing time he's having in Dallas and those issues also. Right. His stock clearly, you know, at least the public perception among American fans, his stock took a serious tumble. You know, at one point when he was playing regularly with the national team, he was doing well in MLS. He was absolutely kind of skyrocketing as far as the public perception of him as a as a future a future national team star, and 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 he clearly hit a wall. His his quality his his form dipped considerably, and then he got injured. So so it, it, he kind of went through all that, went through the roller coaster, and and I got to tell you, you know, if you had asked most people, uh, even last October, where they thought Breck Shea would be right now. Can't imagine many would have said, you know, English Premier League on the verge of getting some playing time and possibly being in the mix for World Cup qualifying. Yeah, it's quite amazing how just a couple months can change for a player. Um, but Ivis, you know, when, when you look at him and, and, and the way that he's now progressed very rapidly, you know, when you talk about his chances for the U.S. men's national team, those are going to increase even more because when you look at another player that's that's now his, his stock is dipping, that's Landon Donovan, he has yet to report to Galaxy Camp. 
And the thing with him is I don't think anyone really knows what he's doing yet with this sabbatical that he's taking. Right. He, he's the missing link for the national team. Is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? I think at this point, a lot of people aren't, aren't, aren't holding out much hope because, you know, qualifying is five weeks away. The next uh, pair of matches, the Costa Rica game and the, and the Mexico game in Azteca, he's still there still hasn't been a peep. And uh, all we've gotten really is Bruce Arena saying that he believes he'll be back and, you know, it could be months. So it really doesn't sound like Bruce Arena is expecting to have him in the lineup come uh, opening day. When do you, okay, okay, Ivis, but when do you think it's going to be the cutoff for him? For, for Okay, when, you, when the Galaxy, that's one thing. But let, let's talk U.S. men's national team. When, when you look at him, when is there going to be maybe a line that you can look in March and say, this is the day. If he doesn't come back by this day, he's not playing at all in those games. Well, I, like I said, I think I said at the last show we had that he needs to come back in time to play some games. And uh, he, he's a player who's never had a problem getting fit quickly you know he's not someone who's who's going to need a full month of training uh to get you know up to up to speed and up to full fitness and up to being an effective player you know he can he can turn it around pretty quickly uh that being said if we're talking about five weeks out right now uh you know if if two to three weeks from now there's still no word he's still not part of the la galaxy setup at that point you can't you can't expect him in two weeks time to to get ready uh, and really not have any MLS games under his belt, and then go to uh, Colorado and play against Costa Rica, uh, even uh, much less go to Azteca and play Mexico. And and th- my thing is, I really, all, you know, up up until now, I would have always said I see Landon Donovan coming back and making sure he's back for the Mexico game. You know, just because that that rivalry, that oppor- that matchup through his career has always meant so much to him. You know, the, the wanting to beat them badly there. I mean, the guy played through swine flu in 09, in World Cup qualifying. And I remember his, 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 you know, talking to him after that game. And you could just see the guy was so upset at the, the fact that they lost that game. You know, here he is. There he is sick. He, he's got swine flu. But, he, you know, he, he, was, he was really upset about losing that game. So I, I thought coming around this time that that would be on the – you know, circled up, circled on his calendar. It'd be the thing that would maybe, if anything, could motivate him to come back early. That would be it. And as of right now, it doesn't look like that's happening. And if it doesn't happen, then you really have to ask yourself, you know, is will he ever come back as far as national team? Well, uh, you know, because you, they need him. They need him for these games as much as no one will. You know, as what Jurgen might not won't come out and say that directly, or players won't say it. That team needs what needs that what he brings to the table as an attacking player because he's, he's a unique player even now at, at this you know later stage in his career he's still such a mobile player such a such a good passer such, he combines so well his movement which is what what the team is lacking right now the team team is lacking that kind of movement uh in the attack and and I can tell you right now if he shows up people I can already tell you right now Clint Dempsey's going to give him a hug Josie Altador is going to give him a hug because those are the kind of guys that are could absolutely need Landon Donovan to come back. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen, at least not right now. And if it doesn't happen, that clearly opens the door for someone like Breck Shea. If he can get fit and he can get on the field for Stoke City, he's the perfect player to take advantage if Landon Donovan's not there. And the other thing with Shea, too, is when you look at the dates, I mean, Shea performed remarkably well against Mexico previously when he was with the U.S. men's national team in the rotation. And and the thing with Donovan, I think especially, is the fact that the team's lack of, I, I guess maybe not inexperience, but the fact that Donovan is, is more of an experienced player. player he, you know, he's, he's the de facto leader of the team. If he shows up, people are going to listen to him. People are going to do what he says. 
and he knows what needs to get done doing these away qualifiers because he's done it for such a long time. And I think missing that part right there, Ivis, I think just him not being there at all, that's also his presence alone just in the locker room, the day-to-day operations. That The team might be missing that big time. I don't know about that one. I, honestly, you don't think so? Uh, no. I, I, he's Honestly, the sense that I've ever gotten is that, no, he's not that kind of player. He's not He's not someone who's who's really driving the troops. He's a lead. If anything, he's a lead-by-example guy. He's a he's a lead by his play kind of guy. He's not the rah rah. He's not a he's not someone who really. No no no. I'm not saying the rah rah, but just being there. You know, like like no, understand. Honestly, you know, no. The, you know. I, no, the guys that do that, the guys that are that kind of presence are Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard, and and at this point, I think I, you can say Michael Bradley. I mean, these are the guys that are that really have that kind of presence in the locker room right now. I think if you want to talk about 2010, if you want to talk about the, between 2006 and 2010, sure. I think Landon Donovan could you could argue could, was that kind of player. But I think right now, you know, what he brings, what they need from him is is his movement on the field. I mean, in the locker room, no, I don't, I don't think anyone's, I don't think his presence in the locker room is is what's being missed right now. Well, Ivis, uh, you actually had a, a very cool experience this past Monday with the MLS Media Day, where players from every single team came over, and and, and one of the things that. You had a chance to. It was talk to Robbie Keane about Landon Donovan. I mean, and Keane also. He he had no idea what was going on with the situation when when you when you know other people asked him. You know, have you talked to Donovan? Do you know what's going on? I mean, even his own teammates that you'd assume maybe they've talked to. They don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I have to tell you, it was pretty surprising. Uh, you know, when you listening to, to Robbie Keane's reaction and, and his answers to questions about Landon, he really had no idea. And I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if anyone should expect them to to be buddy buddy and best buds and 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 on the phone on a daily basis i mean it, you know at the end of the day they're teammates they're professionals they're veterans you know they're not necessarily guys we're going to be hanging out all the time and and as robbie Keane pointed out you know he he was you know busy doing his own thing you know he, he was away for quite some time himself uh, getting recovering and getting some rest so you know when asked about about landon donovan you know keen keen didn't didn't have much of an idea what's going on uh, and you know, kind of reading between the lines, you, you know, you have to wonder what Keen really thinks about this whole situation and about Landon Donovan taking time off and and you know taking this sabbatical, this uh, you know hiatus. Uh, I think if it, you know, I think behind closed doors, I'm pretty sure Rob, uh, Robbie Keen would be a little more uh, willing to kind of rip it or or, or have this, take issue with it because you know, being Robbie Keen and being a player who's you know burnt it at both ends internationally and on the club side. Obviously, he played in the Euro. He played in Euros this past summer. He has he has plenty of caps for Ireland. He know he knows what it means to carry a heavy load for years, and be kind of the figurehead of a national team. So, you know, he's been through that, and and, and I'm not sure if Robbie Keane's ever needed a, a sabbatical or or, the, or that kind of time off. And you know, not not to knock Landon on because I mean he he you know he's he's got his issues, and you got to respect that that you know he needs his time, but. I really have to wonder where his teammates stand on that, and and how for how long uh, it's going to be okay with everyone in Galaxy Camp that you know one of their key players uh, isn't there and, and is is kind of taking his time getting back. Well, I think it's also not going to help when you know players are going to you know continuously get the questions. Where's Landon? Have you talked to Landon? Do you know what he's doing right now? I, I think that's obviously something that's going to really wear on these guys. Uh, but Ivis, on Monday, though, I know you had a cool experience because every team sent a player uh, to New York, and, and you had a chance to kind of check out you know, every team's player that they sent. And I know you had a good time on Monday at that MLS Media Day. It was a, it was a great event. You know, Credit to MLS to, to come up with the, the whole idea for it. They pretty much had a had, had at least one player from, from every team. I believe it was every team in the league uh, and, and you know, conduct interviews with with media that that gathered at Red Bull Arena, 
Uh, and you had a, quite a bit of national media. It wasn't just you know local New York beat writers. You had you had writers from from all over the country uh, that came in to do it. And 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 it was it was good to kind of get the different takes from all the guys about where their teams are and about the changes because obviously you know you have quite a, a few teams who've who've undergone some wholesale changes, whether it's Real Salt Lake or Chivas USA or, or obviously the New York Red Bulls. So it, it was good to to kind of you know see these guys face to face and really get a good sense of where, what is going on this offseason. Well, it especially helped uh, everyone because having all these guys in one place, you can finally get their opinions on certain things, but, you know, more or less the bigger guys. One of those players was uh, Thierry Henry, and, you know, he talked a little bit about what he thought about Petke as the new head coach. And, I mean, Ivis, his comments were, were mostly positive and very supportive. Uh, absolutely. And it, and it was an interesting uh, response from him because, you know, he, he hadn't spoken publicly about the Petke hire. And, and there's all sorts of speculation about, you know, his involvement in the hire. D you know, did he approve it? I is he okay with it? Is he going to, is he going to be the de facto head coach? You know, all that kind of stuff. And he, and he really, you know, Terry Henry really, you know, took that stuff head on and, and, and pretty much shot down the whole idea that he's the guy uh, pulling the strings there at, at yeah. Red Bull Arena and, you know, that he's the puppet master. And, and you know, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I they asked I, him. I they, they, I'm sure they asked him well in advance. Maybe not asked him, but kind of were like, hey, this is what we're thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he claims he was not asked. He claims he was just told. Uh, you know, if anything, I could believe it, if only because I think that, I think it was a really quick decision on their part after the Paola Sousa uh, hiring fell apart. Uh, it seemed like the turnaround time from the Sousa appointment falling through and Petke being hired it wouldn't I, I I doubt it was more than a day uh that that they transitioned and, and basically said holy heck the season's three weeks away we do not have a head coach what are we going to do and 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 there was my Petke you know standing there ready to do anything for his club and 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 he took the job so you know uh you, you got to give Henri some credit he he you know he, he Sounds like he has a really open mind to it, and he has experience playing for coaches who who, who came in without much experience. He, he did it at Barcelona with none other than Pep Guardiola, who he mentioned uh, when talking about Petke. And and, and his uh, here's his comments on that. I know some people already asked me the question, some of their colleagues before, like, is he not too young? Might be inexperienced. And it's like to get experience, you have to try. You have to start somewhere, right? So. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to compare him to Pep Guardiola, but what I'm saying is when Pep Guardiola took uh, charge of the team in 2008, season 2008-2009, everybody was like, oh, he only had one year of coaching with the reserve team. Why, why, why? We don't get a big guy, a big name. And then suddenly the guy won uh, six, six trophies in one year, which is was never been done before. And look at how now they're talking about Pep Guardiola. So I'm more using... Mike with Pep on the, in, in the sense of uh, you have to start right somewhere to, to, to get uh, into other experience. So um, I think it's the right place for him to start. Uh, obviously, he's going to have to put his DNA in the, in the team, and hopefully, we it's going to work. Ivis, that's uh, some pretty impressive company be to have your name thrown in there with. Right, you know, I don't know many people that would have would have thought of uh, Pep Guardiola when, when talking about Mike Petke, but but you get what Terry what Terry was talking about, yeah. just as far as you know, a coach who didn't have much experience, but someone who I who was passionate about the club, that tie you know strong ties to the club as a former player, and, and someone who people didn't really think should get the job. And uh, I mean, I don't know who I don't know any fans in New York that don't like the hire, 
I think it's a small, very, very small minority of fans. But, um, you know, with Pecky, it's clear that the fans love him in general. And it's clear that the players respect him. And, and, and even though he doesn't have a head coaching experience, they respect him for what he's done with the club, how much he loves the club, and how much he knows about the team and the league itself. And, and, and that's shining through in all the comments, not just from Henri, but also from Tim Cahill and Heath Pierce and, and everyone, in, everyone in the Red Bulls camp. And, you know, on one hand, you, you have to wonder how, how much those guys are just glad that Hans Bach is not the coach anymore. Yeah, uh, because they, they, there's there were clearly some kind of rumblings there. Some you know, reading between the lines there that that you know a lot of people didn't really respect Hans Bacher as a coach or, or thought he did a good job as a coach. Uh, and it's clear that that, that Mike Pecky has a long rope. Uh, he's going to be given a chance to to you know kind of learn on the job and have his growing pains. And and Henri of all people was careful to kind of say that that you know people have to be patient with him. He's you know he's going to have his ups and downs. So. You know, he's kind of already letting people know, look, it's not going to be a magic pill. Uh, Pecky's going to get on this touchline and, and win 10 games in a row to start the season. No, you know, he's got a tough job. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it would be a tough job for any coach to come in there, take over that team with all this, with the most turnover in the league. Uh, you know, I think maybe Chivas USA is giving them a run for their money. Yeah. But, when you, but, you know, still tons of turnover. All these pieces you need to put together that have never played the, uh, together before. Uh, so it's a really tough job, but it's clear that, that he has the support of the organization and of the top players on that team. Well, and the Red Bulls uh, just recently acquired Eric Alexander, uh, who kind of had a down year last year. But he's a player that if he can return back to the form that he had his rookie season, that could be a very important pickup for them. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see him necessarily as a starter. Um, although he, you know, if he's forced in the, in the play into a starting role, if you know, say something happens to Janino. Or Tim Cahill, if there's some kind of injury issue, I think he can step in again. But you're right. I mean, as a as a rookie, he was great. You know, he he he's a mobile box to box player, mm-hmm. a midfielder who can really do well in uh, getting into the attack. He never quite hit his stride in Portland. He had his moments though. He had his moments in Portland, and and it's interesting to hear the Timbers fans. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I heard from quite a few Timbers fans who were not happy that Eric Alexander was traded. Um, but you could definitely see why Portland did it. I mean, they're really stacked in midfield now. They they went and got Will Johnson, and they they signed Diego Valeri. They they still have Jack Jewsberry there, and and Diego Chara. They they've got a ton of guys in midfield, so there was really no room for Alexander. And now the Red Bulls could totally benefit from that because you have a player who, as a rookie, uh, you know, played on an MLS Cup team uh, in FC Dallas, and he's played with with, the, with Dax. Dax yeah, I was gonna say with Dax McCarty. Right, he's played with Dax McCarty before. So if you want to put those two together again, they they have that experience of playing together. So I think that it's it one of the, one of several in in my in my mind several good moves by the Red Bulls this offseason. And also, Ivis, when you look at it, the Red Bulls are making good on their promise that they were going to do something with that allocation money that they got for Kenny Cooper. And I got to give you mad props for uh, for calling that from the very beginning that he was going to get traded. Uh, thanks a lot, Garrett. Oh, you're uh, so Ivis, you are so welcome for that. Thanks. You know, you saved me from having to pat myself on the back. Uh, you know what, yeah. Ivis, I always be there to give you that ego boost. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. Well, you know, here's the thing. I know a lot of Red Bulls fans were not happy about the idea of even trading Keddy Cooper, let alone the fact that it finally happened. But it, it's it's been it's been no secret around the league. I mean, they they shopped him around. I think you know pretty much right after the season was over. You know, they looked at his his salary his his contract situation, his salary situation, and and what they wanted to do with the rest of the team and. 
every you know a lot of the a lot of the people who, who hated the idea of trading him will point to the 18 goals and say how do you trade a guy who leads the team in goals one of the top goal scorers in MLS last year and I think what it came down to it is you know I don't know if there was a lot of confidence within the organization that he could come anywhere close to that again and he benefited quite a bit from the service that that you know yes. the, the other players on the team especially Terry Henry provided for him um you know if, if you did a if you did a highlight reel video of Cooper's goals last year a lot of them are tap-ins. A lot of them are amazing moves and passes by Terry Henry and there's Kenny Cooper to finish him. And, and that's not to take, you know, everything away from him. He scored some goals. He, he scored some important goals. Uh, and he's he's a class guy, one of the nicest guys you, you will ever meet, a, 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 a golden guy in the locker room. Like, you know, people love the guy. But when it came down to it, his his cap number for 2013 was too big. Uh, we're talking 370000 uh, for for 2013, and at the end of the day, I don't know if you know Terry Henry liked playing with him necessarily, or uh, you know, or saw him as an ideal fit. Even though you know, when you think about the goal total last year, how was he? How wasn't he a good fit? Um, but I think you know, the, as far as what they want to build, how they want to build that team, they want a little more speed. They want people to run off of, of Henry, and you know, also not make that much money because they they have to you know pay find a way to fit all these other players on the cap. Uh, so it, it was kind of inevitable. And then when when FC Dallas, when they sold Breck Shea, they instantly, it, I mean, it just made way too much sense for him to go back there, for Kenny Cooper to go back to FC Dallas. Uh, you know, now they, you know, they lose, FC Dallas loses, loses Breck Shea, who's kind of the face of the organization. Mm-hmm. And now they bring back, you know, kind of the, the, the prodigal son returns. He, he, you know, he Kenny Cooper coming off a huge year. Uh, it, it just, it's just the perfect storyline. And uh, if, if you're New York, uh, you know, now you have to make good on the on that all the money that you saved and the money that you made. You know, sort of the sources that I've ha- have told me that they they made two hundred thousand in allocation off that trade. So you're talking about a five hundred and seventy thousand dollars swing between salary cap and allocation money. So that the Red Bulls have to make take advantage of that. And and as far as my understanding is, this summer they're going to go after des- a designated player, uh, a big ticket designated player. Who, so who's that, Ivis? Uh, hey, hey come I, on, Ivis! Stop, it, stop holding information from us. Come on, man. If I knew, it would be on SBI. All right, right, right now. just just Trust tell me. just tell me right now, and I won't tell anyone. I promise. I could tell you if I knew, it would already be on SBI, and it would already be on every other website reading SBI. Well, that, but, well, oh no, I was gonna say. I mean, I mean, I mean it, it's it's good to see a franchise make good on the money that they promise. Because I mean, you want to see that as a fan. You want, you want to see the investment that that your team is making for the future of your team. You're not just holding on to that money, going, "Oh, well, you know, we're gonna use that money down the road," type of thing, and and, and blah 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 type of thing. And uh, you know, I was when you talk about a team making a lot of trades, let's let's swing to the other side of the nation. And Dan Kennedy was a representative for Chivas USA at that media day on Monday. And when you look at their situation right now, I mean, that clock has to be ticking. I, I, I know they say they're not going to trade him, but I wonder if that clock just keeps going tick, tick, tick before he gets traded. You talking about Dan Kennedy at Chivas USA? I, I, and they made another trade. James Riley is gone and Ben Zemanski is gone. I mean, dude, well, what are they well, doing? Listen, when it, when it boils down to it, Dan Kennedy was the first of the non-Mexican players. I think they were ready to trade very early on in the offseason. Uh, I, I have that on very good authority that, you know, they they wanted to get a Mexican goalkeeper. They knew that Kennedy was one of the players, one of the few players on their team who had real trade value. And they shopped him around quite a bit. And and from what my sources tell me, you know, you had obviously the L.A. Galaxy were, were, were a strong link 
that was a deal that almost happened, as far as I know. And even the New York Red Bulls were, were in the conversation before they made the big trade trade with Real Salt Lake for Hamas and Olave and Fabiana Spindola. They were in the conversation for Dan Kennedy, which you know I think might surprise some people. But the real kind of head-scratcher is the fact that, I mean, as recently as two weeks ago, Chivas USA had a trade on the table with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and Dan Kennedy was going to Vancouver for Omar Salgado. That trade was Ooh. very close to happening. That trade was, you know, it, it was so close to happening that as far as I know, my sources tell me, Dan Kennedy was told he was being traded. So, you know, so to go from that to thinking you're already going to pack your bags, you're going to Vancouver, it's all of a sudden, from what, I, from what I've been told, Chivas USA backing out of the deal. Apparently Vancouver took too long to make a decision uh, on pulling the trigger. And Chivas, whether they got smart or whether they got scared, they pulled the deal off the table and they've decided they're going to keep Kennedy, they're going to keep him for this year. And for me, that's an absolutely smart move because he's your best player. He was their best player last year. And you know what? He might not be Mexican or Mexican-American, but he, he, you know, the fans there love him because he's, he was kind of one of the few bright spots during you know, these rough years. You know, you know, for, for as awful as that team has been at time, for quite a few times and for long stretches, Dan Kennedy has been that player who – who always gives his all, and even if he's getting blitz four zero three zero, he's still pulling out ridiculous highlight reel saves all the time. So, you know, I, I think the fact that they've decided now not to trade him is absolutely the smart move. You know, you can question all the other moves they've made. <laughs> all these, a lot of these trades are serious head scratchers. I think they're they're they're, they're selling parts at ten cents on the dollar, or as oh. I said on Twitter, ten cents on the peso. But if they keep Dan Kennedy, <laughs> that's, then a, that's, that a, that's a good one, I guess. What's that? That's a good one. And then you know my people, my my, my tweets have already pointed out that the, that the exchange rate actually is uh, uh, ten pesos to the dollar. There you go. Nice, dude. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it's it's an interesting. You know, I tell you, the Chivas USA thing is is it, f- five months ago. If if I if I had told people that Chivas USA would be one of the biggest topics of conversation around MLS, yeah. people would think it was crazy. But I tell you what, everyone is talking about them. Because of what they're doing, because they're stockpiling, uh, because they're getting rid of all non-Latino players, and they're stockpiling Mexicans and Mexicans and Americans and Latino Americans. Uh, now that with their most recent trade, they got rid of, they traded away Ben Zemanski, they traded away James Riley. They're trying to give away Shari Joseph, but right now they're having trouble <laughs> because of his big contract. So have you, know, you wait, they're, have they're, you ever seen anything? That? Have you ever seen anything like that before? Where a player just shows up and then the team's just like, oh yeah, he's just you know he's just hanging out. Uh, yeah, that was a head scratcher. I mean, I, no one had seen that before, not in MLS anyway, and not a player the caliber of Shawri Joseph. I mean, honestly, I I, I feel bad for Shawri. I mean, I, I think, you know, while I know he wants to find himself a good situation, and I'm sure he would have loved to go to Seattle uh, to play with Ozzy Alonso and, with, and for Siggy Schmidt, but still, as a player, one of the arguably one of the best midfielders to ever play in MLS history, to have him, a player of his caliber, Go and basically go on a trial. I mean, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. And and I mean, I I had to, I had to make some calls and <clears throat> make some inquiries about you know how is that even allowed? You know, I mean, I, I reached out to a source, uh, you know, at the players union to find out if that's even allowed. And you know, I was told pretty much if the teams agreed to it and the player agrees to it, then it's it's okay. And you know, while it might be okay in the, in not breaking any rules, it's it's not a good, certainly not a good look. It's not a good look for MLS. It's not a good look. Uh, for Chivas, and, and absolutely not a good look for Shalry Joseph. I mean, I, you got to feel bad for the guy. I mean, 
as much as you can feel bad for a guy who's making you know DP money and on a contract of six hundred thousand or however much he's making a year, um, you know you have to feel bad for how that whole thing is handled. And now who knows where he's going to end up? Because it sounded based on Siggy Schmidt's comments that you know the, there is not going to be a trade with Seattle. No, and probably not. And when you look at Chivas USA, I mean, they've had eight players have left since November. You know, and, and, I mean, James Riley was traded for a second round pick in the supplemental draft. I mean, Zemanski was for second round pick in the 2015. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then Zemanski was for allocation money. However, though, however, though, one of the one of the I guess the the not not news grabbing headlines of one of the with the Zemanski trade was that Chivas USA acquired the rights for. Jonathan Bornstein, if he ever comes back and plays MLS, and when you look at his his career in Mexico, I just is, do you think he'll actually come back to MLS? I absolutely think he'll come back to MLS. I think it's it's a no brainer, really. You know, he hasn't been playing in Mexico uh, much at all, and uh, you know he he's from Southern California. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely see him wanting to come back, and he's Mexican American too. Absolutely, he's half uh, he's half Mexican, he's half Jewish, and and I think he's an honorary Honduran after the the goal that got Honduras <laughs> into the World Cup. So, uh, if anything, for all the moves, the head scratching moves, Chivas USA for me that's a smart move because say what you want, national you know national team fans can say what they want about Bornstein and how bad he's been with the national team, but I tell you what, as an MLS defender, he is a very good MLS defender. He's an all star caliber MLS defender, at least he was before he left to Mexico. So. If they can get him to come back, if Chivas USA can get Bornstein back, get him in their starting lineup, that's a big step for them. That's a you know, especially for you know them rebuilding the defense completely, which they had to do. They have no I mean, defense. I, almost. I think that would be. I think that'd be a huge deal for them. Well, it, I mean, in, but you look at these other signings that you have. I mean, Steve Purdy. Uh, I mean, he played for the Timbers last, and and then you have another guy that they signed, Carlos Boris. I mean, he's a kind of a journeyman type of player. I mean, I was, even the guys that they're picking up aren't even. Good pickups. I mean, I, I just I just don't see things going well for this team this year. Well, let's be honest. You have no idea who those guys are. So, well, exactly. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Well, no, but to be fair, Steve Purdy is an interesting prospect. I mean, he's someone who who I, who I think has some talent and and could be a starter on that team. Uh, but they, I mean, they have to they have to go out and and spend some money. And I think that's what people are kind of wondering. It's like, yeah, it's all well and good to to get to trade, cut, get rid of, put on a plane every. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. American slash gringo slash non-Mexican person. But when are you going to actually start bringing in some some players, some impact players to to really make the, to build the team up? And, you know, clock's ticking here. You know, it's been a few weeks now and, and, and we haven't seen a ton of moves from them. Uh, a lot of small moves here and there. You know, the rights to Bornstein, signing Stephen Purdy. Uh, where are the guys? Where are the players, you know? And, and, and that's, that's what I think people are waiting to see, uh, you know, and you almost feel like a you know a week before the season a bus from Guadalajara is going to show up with a you know a half dozen <laughs> castoffs from the the Mexican team. So it's that that one that one is going to be a soap opera to follow. Absolutely, um, to see how their head coach El Chelis uh, builds things there, and and it's not looking good right now. Well, you. If you watch Mexican soap operas already on Telemundo, you know how dramatic those can get. Oh, without question, and <laughs> but they but they need to add some 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 hot women. Hold on, hold on, hold on, you, hold on. Did you that was a good one, huh? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's I think the late hour of our taping is starting to get to you. Probably, but probably. If they get some of those Chivas girls, uh, you know, to get to take part in it, then then it'll absolutely be a soap opera. Hey, I'll watch them then. <laughs> that, that that might be the only way they get anyone to watch them, uh, unless they start getting, making some big signings pretty soon. 
And, and Ivan, so all kidding aside, though, I mean, when we go back and we look at Dan Kennedy, though, uh, I mean, he was the representative, like I said b- before, that for the MLS Media Day on Monday. And, I mean, he handled some really, really, really tough questions uh, during during his press time. Right. I, I don't know if it was necessarily that the questions were tough. It's just the situation is tough. Uh, and, and it's a tough one for him to kind of deal with, obviously. Uh, he wasn't asked about trade talk, but, you know, just the, the fact that the team has really been kind of reconstructed and now there's this whole idea about about the team really only wanting Mexicans and Mexican-American players. And, you know, just listening to his responses and just listening to them in general, you really got a sense that he he doesn't feel completely comfortable with the way things are going. And and if, as my sources told me, that he's already kind of gone through this whole offseason of, of thinking, you know, coming close to being traded no, and thinking he's going to be traded – you could absolutely understand why he'd be frustrated and he'd, he'd feel a little a little hard done by there. And, and, and you can kind of, you know, if you want to read between the lines and listen to the tone of his answers, maybe you can get a sense. And, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, I was took part in that Q&A with him and, and, and we have actually his responses. And uh, here, here's Dan Kennedy's comments. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the end, uh, regardless of, 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 who I am and what I am, my play will speak for itself, you know, and I, I, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're, I mean, as players, responsible for our performances, and that's how we're going to be judged, and that's how I expect to be judged. So, um, for me, I'm just preparing, as I have all the other seasons in my career, and I'm, I'm ready to compete for my job and, and compete for this team, and really, I, I, I want, I just want to make sure that we're competitive and we do ourselves justice. I think we've been trying to find an identity identity for the last three seasons, you know, like we've had so much change, so much change. And so really we need to, we need to, to do ourselves a favor and, and, and come out and, and, and fight like hell for, for our jobs and, and, and for the sake of the club and the team and, so, and believe in something greater than just ourselves. And Ivis, you're right. I mean, if you look at him, he stuttered during one of those where, you know, he's not worried about how, you know, about the team's identity, but how he plays. It's just, and the thing is, he's going to get asked these questions all season long, and, and I feel like it's just, it might not wear on him type of thing, but it's going to get very old very fast. Right. He, well, you know, the thing about Kennedy is he's a pro. He's he, He's been through a lot in his career, and as much as, you know, he's enjoyed, out, you know, well-deserved success in the last couple of years, you know, he his, he's he's endured his share of adversity to get mm-hmm. to that point. So he he's not someone who who I think is going to necessarily fall apart if things go you know don't go well or or if things kind of go a little awry in in Chivas USA. But I do think that he the sense I get anyway is that it's not a comfortable setup for him. It's not a comfortable situation as much as maybe he gets along with with their new manager. Uh, it's still I mean as a goalkeeper when 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 you see this 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 turnover. Uh, and let me, and I will say this. I mean, as much as people can comment about all the all the trades, all the maneuvers, and I've done I've done it too. I've I've made my share of Chivas USA jokes, but I don't know if a team should necessarily be knocked for wanting to to turn over a roster on a team that was one of the worst teams in the league. You know, you can't knock that. But at the same yeah, time, yeah, but yeah, but come on, dude, they're not. It's not like they're not adding anyone that they had made and question those because I I mean I I will agree that I feel like they've left money on the table yes. on several of these deals. Yes, and Shelly Joseph might be gone too. I mean, why, why would you why, – why? I'm going to get worked up about this. Why would you let a player like him walk? I mean, I understand you want the identity, but come on, you cannot sacrifice your season just for – I mean, you know what I mean? I just – I, I, I don't listen, get it. The, the Shelly Joseph thing is not about identity. It's about 
not believing he's worth the money. And that's it's honestly no offense, to, you know, nothing against Shalri, an amazing career he's had, and he's still a quality player. That's not a completely unfair uh, uh, idea. That's not a completely unfair uh, point of view to have. I mean, I don't know how many teams in MLS would pay Shalri Joseph at, at his current salary cap number. Uh, and, you know, his status as as far as I understand it, you know, he's he's due to make designated player money in 2013. And actually, I don't. I don't think any team would pay that because if that were the case, if a team was willing to pay that, someone, somebody would have already gotten on the phone, already called the goats, and Charlie Joseph would already be on the way to a team. The fact that he is yet to be traded tells you right there, no one is ready to pay that salary. So what it comes down to is, you know, what kind of deal can they make? What kind of deal can a team? What kind of agreement can a team reach with Charlie Joseph to make it worth his while to leave? Well, I, I, I mean, but the yeah. uh, the de- the cutoff is I think was it is it March first is the day that Chivas USA has to get rid of him to make sure he's not on their books, right? It's March first, correct? Uh, you got me on. Well, that that's I believe that's when his salary becomes guaranteed. Yes, I mean, so uh, by March first they had to get rid of him though before that if they don't want him on the books. Right, but there's the listen. It's MLS. There's nothing that there's not there's no black and whites in MLS. I mean, if anyone knows that anyone that follows the league knows. That the rules, the rule book is written in etch sketch. Things change, and anything that needs to be adjusted can be adjusted. And even if they don't get to that deadline, or if they buy them out, which is that's something else people should think about, is you know if they can't move them and, and they decide we we want to get rid of them, they can buy him out. They can pay him a salary and have it not count. You can do that. You know, a team every team can do that with to one player uh, on their team, and you've already had several teams do that. Yeah, the Red Bulls do that with Rafa Marquez. Portland did that with Chris Boyd. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, it's the bad contract exception. That's not the official name. I just made that up. But we should mark. Know, wait, wait, wait. We should trademark that right now. <laughs> there you go. We'll trademark the bad contract exception. But um, you know, he so he they can just buy him out, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. They're going to buy him out, and then Shalry can go anywhere he wants uh, and play for you know a small contract. So, but. I don't know if anyone should necessarily be knocking the fact that they want to move Shalry Joseph. The question is, can they actually get something for him? And, uh, you know, the way it looks right now, the fact that Seattle passed and the fact that nothing's come come yet, no deals come yet, I think now it's getting to a point where maybe teams see the the possibility that, they, that Chivas might just let him go. And then instead of making a trade with Chivas, instead of working out some deal with you where you give them allocation money, you can just sit by and, and wait for the pressure to get to the to Chivas USA and and they finally just get rid of him and they finally buy him out. And then if you're, you know, not obviously not he's not going to go back to New England, but let's say as hypothetical, let's say Philadelphia or, or somebody like that. Oh, look at you no, starting rumors. I mean, I'm just starting rumors. I'm not, you know, I, I you could and th- just think of a team that needs a defensive midfielder or could use an extra defense. The Red Bulls. There you go. The New York Red Bulls. If he, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Mike Pecky would love to have Shalry Joseph as an option at $150,000 or whatever they decided to come to, to an agreement on um, for Shalry Joseph. But I think that's what we're seeing now. We're, we're seeing teams realizing, listen, why, this, let's just let let Chivas sweat it out. They'll probably have to dump him, and then he'll be there. And he'll be on the open market. So I think I think I'm pretty sure Shalry Joseph will be somewhere in 2013. He's still too good a player to not be able to find a job. You're right, and, and you know, a, a team teams might just kind of be sitting around going, "Well, let's just be smart about this. Let's not give up anything when we can sign him." Um, you know, like you said, for I mean, for 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 less less than what you're going to pay him if he gets traded over. Um, Ivis, though, let's head to another team though uh, that's 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 
also done a complete overhaul of the roster, though. But they, but there's a little bit different. It's more of a positive one, and that's the Portland Timbers. I mean, Caleb Porter has has already started to to kind of make his mark in, into what he wants the Portland Timbers to be. Well, I don't, I don't know how big a, a transformation we're seeing just yet, uh, as far as uh, you know, Caleb Porter and the Akron effect. But I mean, obviously, this offseason, the Timbers have had one of the busiest. And one for me, one of the most impressive off seasons uh, with the, with the moves that they've made. The the more recent moves now that we've seen, uh, yes, Galeport is definitely reaching out to his Akron connections and, and and putting in and bringing in some players. Michael Nanshaw from Vancouver, Ben mm-hmm. Zemanski from Chivas USA. I don't think anyone can knock either of those moves because it clearly didn't cost them much at all. And and they've been able to get a player in in, in Nanshaw who was a, a high first round pick only two years ago. And Ben Zemanski, who, who who has quite a bit of MLS experience already, uh, ha- having having fifty plus starts uh, in MLS for Chivas USA, so for Caleb Porter to bring in a couple of guys who who can provide some depth, who know his system, his style of play, and who he knows how they can play, you know, I, I think it's a pretty smart move, and to add them to our, you know, the other Akron alumni uh, on the Timbers, you know, talking about Darlington Nagby, mm-hmm. and and obviously the rookie goalkeeper David Mavis. Uh, you know he's got a nice little nucleus there, and I'm sure. Listen, Caleb Porter is fully aware that you know there's going to be scrutiny about that. There's going to be everyone's going to have an eye to you know keep an eye on how he treats those guys. And and for me, I I, I would bet he probably treats those guys harder or tougher uh, than than he treats non-acting guys. But you know it, it's not a it's not a new thing for coaches to want to bring in guys that they're familiar with. No, I know. I'm just saying. I, I was trying to keep the show positive. I, I felt like we were too down today. You know, like the Donovan <laughs> and the Chivas. You know, Portland no, Timbers. Pa- there's Breck Shea, there's, I, I know, uh, I know, Beasley. but the Portland Timbers listen, didn't t- do listen, well. Portland, I'm trying to be positive, man. Portland, Come there's, on. There's, no, there, there, if you want to say want to talk positives, Portland has had a great offseason uh, for, for my money. And, and it was interesting, you know, when we talked about the, the media day on Monday, the MLS uh, media day, you know, I was talking to Chris Wondolowski and, and asked him, you know, who, who, who does he think is going to be a surprise? And he mentioned Portland. And, you know, he, he thinks the Timbers uh, have a chance to turn things around. And, and I agree. You know, they their midfield, uh, upgrading the midfield was such a key for that team. And especially with, you know, Caleb Porter mm-hmm. being very possession, possession-oriented possession type coach. You know, he wants to play that high press, the, that, that possession soccer. Uh, you need a strong midfield. You need guys who are going to buzz around and pressure teams. And for the fact that they were able to get Will Johnson, I mean, they could not have asked for a more perfect player to fit into that midfield for what Caleb Porter wants them to do. And then to go get an, a, a, a playmaker like Diego Valeri. I know a lot of folks in, in Portland are upset that Mix Discarude got away and, you know, that, that that was someone that Portland was in conversations with. But all I hear and all anyone that I've talked to will say is that no one should be crying about Portland losing out on Discarude because Diego Valeri flat out is a better player. Uh, a, a better, a more, more true attacking midfield type player, and and you know they were willing to spend DP money on him, when, while they weren't uh, willing to spend DP money on on uh, Discrude. And I know some folks in Portland and around the league are, think that's crazy because you know Discrude that you know you that whole U.S. national team thing, and you know yeah, he scored against Russia. He scored against Russia big time. He's got he, you know he's got a bright future. But I tell you what, you know, if Valeri is is anywhere near as good as 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 I'm hearing, then you know, watch out for Portland this year. And that's what I'm saying, Ivis. I mean, Portland had a very good season. All right, Ivis. Uh, one more thing that we need to talk about before we wrap up the show here is the U.S. Men's National Team Under 20 team roster finally got formalized. I know you're 
paying very close attention to it because these are the next crop of players that are coming up. You know, give us kind of a little quick rundown of, of the final additions that have been, been have been named to the roster. Ty Bramos made his final two selections, and you know the the sense I get is that they were kind of holding out hope to to get Mark Pelosi, uh, who's at Liverpool. He's a he's a youth player at Liverpool, but they weren't able to to swing that. Um, they they did, however, add Jerome. I hope I say the name right, Jerome Kaiswetter, the uh, the German born player, the German born forward, and they they added Dylan Serna, the uh, former Akron attacker and uh, current Colorado Rapids homegrown player. So, you know, th- those two players have been added to the to the qualifying roster. And I got to tell you, you know, while there is talent on that U-20 team, it, Tab Ramos has to be disappointed at the fact that he wasn't able to get Pelosi for this camp. Yeah, we should ask Pelosi tournament. how that trip was to Russia. Right. Well, you know, Pelo- that's the thing. Liverpool, Come on. This, Liverpool it- blocked it. And they added him to the Europa League roster, and everyone got all happy about that. Oh, you know, we'll see. Now it makes sense. You know, he's in their plans. He's going to play first-team football. And he didn't even travel to uh, to the Europa League match that they played. Uh, It's a joke. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I know people will will point to the next-gen series and say, you know, he's going to play in those matches. And and that's why Liverpool – that's another reason for Liverpool to to not want to release him. But I'm sorry, when you have a player, a young player like him, who has an opportunity to play in meaningful qualifying matches high, in, in some real pressure situations, I mean, I, I feel like they missed the boat on that. I feel like they missed the boat on getting a young prospect of theirs some great experience. And you know what? They pay a salary. The FIFA rules mean, uh, pretty much state clearly that, you know, clubs don't have to, you know, they don't have to let their players go. Uh, so they don't owe anybody anything. That being said, I still think it's disappointing. They missed the boat, and and it, it's really it's really disappointing because hypothetically, I mean, if they if the U twenties don't qualify again for another cycle, that's a big blow, and that's a U twenty World Cup that Mark Pelosi won't play in. And if that happens, Liverpool, you know, I think I, you know what people need to look at them and say that, and just shake their heads and say that such a bad move. But why would a club be so protective of a player when, when he's not even playing first when he's not even playing with the first team or even in the eighteen? I mean, why? Is this just really that case that clubs are so worried about a player getting injured? Honestly, it's tough to say. I mean, I've heard people. I've heard people claim that you know Pelosi's close to being a first team player. He, he might be a bench option. Uh, I've heard all sorts of things. But you know what? If he does not play any games for Liverpool's first team uh, at all in this point, and all he plays is these is next is the next gen this next gen series, which you know to be fair, the the next gen series in Europe is, is a pretty high level competition and, and it's not a and that and it's not a waste of time by any means that being said I still think the the the, the opportunity for him to be in in the U20 qualifying tournament and be a key player on that team which he would have been he would have absolutely been a key player uh on Tab Ramos's team him missing out on that I think is a loss for him it's a loss for for his development and it, I think it's short-sighted on Liverpool's part uh but again it's the FIFA rules and it's something that 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 has cost the U.S. team in the past. I mean, when you you just have to go back a year ago for the under twenty three qualifying tournament, and everyone loves to say there's no excuses, there's no reason they should have should not have beaten El Salvador or lost to Canada. But you know what? Facts are facts. That there were a half dozen players who could have been on that U twenty three team, who would have been starters on that team, who were not there. And even if you add one of those, Alfredo Morales, if he's on that U twenty three team. I think they qualify. I think they're in the Olympics. But 
It's water under the bridge. It's something that U.S. coaches have had to deal with and will continue to deal with uh, be, because the rules are as they are. And, and club teams in Europe do not have to release their players, unlike MLS, which obviously MLS is, is, is completely on board with U.S. soccer and U.S. national team. And you see a player like Luis Gill, who is going to be a key player for Real Salt Lake. They're releasing him for the tournament. Uh, and, and you know he's going to get that experience, and 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 you you, you really wish that, that European clubs could see the value in it. But again, they they see the investment, they see their young player. They don't want to have them going to these competitions and getting injured. And and you can understand it on some level, but I, again, I still think it's short sighted. Well, in in scrutiny is especially going to be paying close <laughs> attention to this team. I mean, this team, when you look at it, qualified from the years nineteen ninety seven. Uh, to 2009, the tournament's held every two years. They didn't qualify last year. But if this team can't qualify, and I know, I know this is going to open up a big can of, of, uh, of worms here, but let's just say this team doesn't qualify. When are people going to start criticizing the U.S. Soccer Federation's direction going forward? I mean, if this team qualifies, then we don't even have this conversation. But let's say hypothetically they don't qualify. I mean, how bad is this going to be for U.S. soccer in general? I don't know. Listen, obviously people are going to be upset. There's going to be some hand-wringing. There's going to be some complaints. People are going to point fingers at, at obviously, Todd Ramos. They're going to point fingers at Jurgen Klinsmann, Sunil Galati. Uh, but you know what? These tournaments are so tricky and so uh, the way they're set up. I mean, it, it, the funny thing is, I mean, you could dominate your group. Uh, the way the tournament's set up, you can dominate your group. You can destroy your, your group stage opponents. But then it still comes down to a one-off match. One a quarterfinal, effectively a winner take all match, uh, and if you're if you go up against the wrong team, or if you end up in a situation with say a player gets a red card, you get a bad referee, it comes it can it really still comes down to one match, and that's the scary part. And and uh, you know with this U twenty team, I tell you what, this U twenty team isn't isn't a perfect team either. This you know when you talk about the defense, there's serious question marks about the back line. Uh, Walker Zimmerman is injured. He is not on the team. He would have been a starter. I think he might have even been the captain of this team if he were healthy, but he's not. And they're going to miss him quite a bit. And they're going to need some of these other defenders like Shane O'Neill, Boyd Okwano from North Carolina. They're going to need these guys to step up because, uh, you know, Walker Zimmerman, that's a big loss there. So the, I think for Todd Ramos, the key is going to be to find a back four that keeps that, that at least, you know, is, is decent enough to help them hold leads because I think they're going to score goals. I think there's enough attacking talent on that team for them to score goals. But as we learned in 2011, nothing is – you can't take anything for granted because that for me, that 2011 team was stacked. That 2011 team had some pretty impressive talent. When you think about, you know, the you know Perry Kitchen and Amobia Kugo and Joe Jow and Sebastian Leggett, uh, you know, Gale Agbasumande when he was, you know – Still, kind of when he was the hot shot prospect at the time, Ike Opara, uh, you know that team. The fact that that team didn't qualify, I don't think this team, this current U twenty team, is is the, as good as that one. So you can't. So that alone tells you you can't take anything for granted. Well, the group for the USA is they have Costa Rica and Haiti in their group, and I'm actually looking on. I'm actually looking at their schedule right now. The greatest website in the world, Wikipedia. You can't even click on Haiti's page; they have no Wikipedia page. So clearly, they suck. And then on Group B of Canada. Nicaragua and Cuba, Nicaragua and Cuba don't even have Wikipedia pages, so clearly the USA should have no problem because uh, the winner of Group A will play the runner-up of Group B, vice versa, winner of Group B plays the runner-up of Group A, and so that the USA, they avoid Mexico, which I think is huge here. 
Right, concrete. That, that's not a coincidence. I mean, I'm sure that <laughs> the, you know none of this stuff is a coincidence. They, oh, they, really? They, I, that they, just they, I thought it was convenient that USA is in Group A and Mexico's in Group D. I just thought it worked out like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that was pure luck there. Um, <laughs> I think. I think if anything, you know, Concacaf and the like have learned from from past situations where the U.S. got stuck against Mexico, and then you, you end up having a team, one of the two giants, uh, lose out. Uh, to be fair, you've pointed it out now. The road should be easier for this U20 team um, <laughs> it, because when you talk about the 2011 team, they got stuck playing the host nation, Guatemala, playing in front of their home crowd, uh, a group of players that was, you know, they, 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 they were playing for their, for their futures there in front of their home fans. It, it, was, it was really worst-case scenario for them. This team's not going to have to deal with that. That being said, you still can't take anything for granted. Um, I think they'll. I think they will qualify, but I don't. I, I, you know, I don't know how strong this team is yet. That that defense is definitely going to be a work in progress. Well, four teams qualify, so USA. And you're right. That, that's the thing that you talked about when you look at it. When they go into after group play and they go into the knockout phase. I mean, if you lose the quarterfinal, okay, well then you're done. I mean, but you have to get to the semifinal. I mean, you can finish fourth place. You still qualify because four teams make it from the Con- from Concacaf. And that's going to be very important for USA. Um, first game, though, like I said, is uh, going to be on February 18th. That is the first game for USA, February 18th. I believe that's uh, that's Monday, the day after my birthday, Ivis. Maybe the USA will win for me. I mean, my birthday present. Well, I mean, that'd be a pretty nice 20, uh, 20th birthday present, i got to tell you. <laughs> that's a pretty good one, Ivis. Well, listen, uh, we, we can definitely tell the, the listeners that uh, for our next show, uh, which hopefully will drop some at some point Sunday evening. Uh, we, we will look to preview the the under twenty tournament. Yep. Uh, try to give you a little more in depth rundown on some of the players on that team, the players to watch, and, and and for those. And if you hadn't heard yet, the under twenty qualifying tournament will be shown on Fox Soccer Channel. They stepped up and and purchased the rights, and uh, which you know up until a week ago it was looking like we weren't going to be able to see these games, but now we're actually going to be able to see. Both U.S. group stage games and their all important quarterfinal match. So you know we'll be all all over that on SBI, providing the coverage. And uh, the next the next XBI SBI podcast will uh, will definitely cover that and get in depth. Ivis, though, as we wrap up the show here, I mean, are there any, are there any pressing things that are at the top of your head? Let's see. What can we talk about? I mean, it's it's funny. It's not really American related, but you know, the Champions League action has been amazing oh, yeah. this this week and. Uh, you know, we, we we will probably here and there touch on that. Uh, you know, when we get a chance. But just seeing Real Madrid and Manchester United do battle and see Cristiano Ronaldo go up against his former team, uh, it's setting up for for a great second leg uh, in several of those matchups. And not just that match, but also the Shakhtar Donetsk Borussia Dortmund match. Uh, you know, I had both TV both TVs uh, running at the same time, and and it's really it's fantasy time. If you can call off call out sick for work or if you can get a, a kick-ass, uh, you know, video stream on your computer, uh, the second legs for both of those are going to be must-see matches. Ivis, I'm glad you're endorsing people call off work. Well, yeah, they don't work for me, so I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> hey, if you write for SBI, you are not allowed to call off work. I will be calling off work that day then. Whenever we're, uh, we might be recording that day. I'm calling off right now, letting you know in advance. Calling off. Well, did, ra- you, did you already just take the, the beginning of this week off? What's going on? What are you talking about? 
I didn't please. I didn't I didn't take <laughs> I didn't take any time. I'm blaming it on you. Everyone, don't listen to Ivis. Ivis was like, Oh, I don't want to do the show and I was like, No man, come on, dude, we gotta do the show two times a week. He's like, Oh no, I'm getting too old, can only do the show one day a week and I was like, Okay, that's fine. I understand that. I, I understand. Listen, folks, if it were up to me, we would do the show every day. If we're, if uh, it were up but, to me, we'd do the uh, show every day. <laughs> Unfortunately, Garrett uh, has some preschool uh, recording equipment, so I think it only works once a week. <laughs> there is nothing. I hate you so much right now. As we wrap up the show today, we want to thank Breck Shea uh, for joining Ivis. And Ivis, thank you again for getting all the audio on Monday. Uh, have a great weekend, man. All right, same to you. And uh, I can tell one last thing for the readers. We will we will start having uh, so, some more guests on the show in the next couple of weeks. We're going to try to bring you as many head coaches as we can in these in these two weeks leading up to the start of the season. And, and I do plan on uh, heading to Portland uh, for the season opener uh, between the New York Red Bulls and Portland Timbers. So, uh, you know, we might have to have a show uh, from from Portland uh, right after that Portland Red Bulls game. So uh, you, you're going to want to be following us uh, for the next few weeks and, and, and beyond. Well, Ivis, thank you so much. Breck Shea, once again, thank you. That wraps it up for the SBI Podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend.